this evening we give you glory and honor we thank you for the number of years since this ministry started we thank you for sustaining grace thank you for everything that you have accomplished this past few years much more we thank you for the future that you have in stock for this ministry how I pray that you will open every eye that they might see that tomorrow that you have in stock for this ministry so that every heart will rejoice so that every heart will be delighted when they imagine with the eyes of their faith and in the eyes of their spirit the future the glorious future the enviable future the beautiful future the honorable future that lies ahead how i pray that those who are supposed to be part of that future will not drop by the roadside give them the grace and the wisdom to continue so that they will be part of it and nothing the enemy does will sabotage that future God, we ask that that future be guaranteed. The glory shall be yours alone. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Please be seated. I greet you in Jesus' name. And I congratulate God's servant and his wife and the leadership and membership of the church for this anniversary celebration. This is my second time here. The first time was during the inauguration now here the second time it's an honor to be here this is white house indeed everywhere is white glory be to god even madam is white <laughs> praise the lord if i knew i would have worn white today <laughs> praise god i have two assignments by the way i greet all the servants of god in the house i celebrate you thank you for coming god bless you I have two brief assignments. One is to bring a very short message from the Lord to charge and challenge your hearts. The second one is for the ordination of one or two people here this evening who will contact fresh fire and fresh grace from on high in the name of Jesus. I've been asked to speak on in Christ I live. Amen. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians 2.20 he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Amen and amen. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, so he gave himself for me. Hallelujah. He loved me to the point that he sacrificed his own life for my own life. He died that I may live. The Bible says he became poor that we might become rich. The Bible says the father rejected him when he was hanging on the cross carrying the sins of the whole world so that you and I can be accepted in the beloved. 
He bore our pain. He bore our diseases. He bore our sicknesses so that you and I will not have to bear them again. What an exchange. A man who is willing to take your negative so that you can get his positive, that man deserves your loyalty. That's why the Bible says, we love him not because he is handsome and beautiful and powerful and generous and a miracle worker. The Bible says, we love him for one reason, because he first loved us. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. We should be called the sons of God. Hallelujah. That's why the Apostle Paul writing again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse number 15, he said, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He died for you. He paid the price for your redemption. He made you a child of God. He reconciled you to the Father. All your sins were wiped away. Nothing is held against you anymore before the Father. The Father sees you today as if you have never done anything wrong in your life. He himself said, and I believe him, he says, your sins I will remember no more. So don't permit the enemy to make you feel that you are an unworthy person before the Father. You were unworthy, but you are no longer unworthy because he has made you worthy. The Father loves you. And can I add a layer to that? The Father likes you. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. One more time. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Hallelujah. I come. He loves you just as you are. He didn't lay conditions. That until you do this and do that and do that before I will love you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. He didn't say, God so loved the saints. For God so loved the world, the wicked world, the sinning world, the wretched world. 
In fact, we didn't have to repent before he killed his son for us. It is the sacrifice of his son that now warrants our repentance. If this God can go to this extent just for you, it will be foolhardy and stupid for anybody to ignore that kind of love. Amen and amen. That's why John wrote, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed unto us. And I tell people, I remind them, I say, well, even though he loves you the way you are, he loves you so much that he received you the way you are, that he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So he's walking on you by his spirit. He's walking on you by his word. That's why Paul the Apostle recognizing that said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Said the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If he gave himself for me, then I must live for him. If he died for me, I must live for him. Amen. That's why by his spirit and by his word, he is washing us daily by the washing of the water by the word. He's purging, he's cleansing, he's transforming, he's grooming, he's discipling, he's raising us until, hallelujah, until we conform to the express image of his son, Jesus Christ. So that wherever you show up, they will see Jesus in flesh and blood. They see you in action. They see you behaving like Jesus will behave. They see you responding to issues like Jesus would. They see you talking like Jesus would. They see you reacting like Jesus would. Everything you do is in semblance of what Jesus would have done if Jesus was in that situation. From glory to glory, he's changing me. Changing me. Changing me. Do you know that song choir? His likeness and image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. He is changing, changing me from earthly things to the heavenly. His likeness, an image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. From glory to glory. From glory to glory, His chain. His likeness, an image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. He is changing, changing me from earthly things to the heavenly. His likeness, an image to perfect in me. The love of God shown to the world. Hallelujah. So God is conforming you to the image of his son. Because you are his ambassadors here on the earth. You are his eyes, you are his hands, you are his ears, you are his legs. Hallelujah. 
And that's why none of us should dare to embarrass him in any way by the way we live our lives. There is something that we have been cut out to live for. You see, let me talk quickly about the final moment when all of us shall gather before him to render an account of this life that we now live. Amen. Amen. Not too many believers are clear on this. When we talk about judgment, the only thing that comes to people's mind is that, oh, sinners will be judged and sent to hell. But may I tell you that there are at least three different types of judgment. How many types? At least three. And I want you to stay with me. I won't be long. I want to drive home my point quickly, and then we do the needful. Amen and amen. At least three types of judgment. The first type of judgment is called the great, sorry, the, the judgment of sin. It's called the judgment of what? The judgment of sin. And that is already in the past tense. On the cross of Calvary, sin was judged. So anybody who believes on him, their sins will no longer be judged. They will no longer be required to come and answer for their sins. Because somebody was judged and punished on their behalf. So they can be free. That's why I can't understand why people will still reject Christ up until today. And they are going koshu, 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 koshu to say, I will face the judgment by myself. I will be my own lawyer before God. Nobody can survive that judgment. Nobody. Christ has already been judged. That's called the judgment of sin. That's why when he carried the sins of the world on his head, the father couldn't look at him because his eyes are too pure to behold iniquity. So he said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Your sins and my sins made the father to forsake him. Sin was being judged. 2,000 years ago, the judgment of sin took place such that anybody who has a little wisdom in his head should no longer face that kind of judgment in the future. Amen and amen and amen. The second type of judgment is what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Judgment seat of Christ. And that's not the judgment of sinners. That is the judgment of believers. You and I who believe in Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5 verse number 10, it says, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to render an account of our stewardship, what we have done with our lives, whether we live this life for him or we live it for ourselves. We will render an account. And on that judgment day, whatever it is that you use this life to accomplish in his honor, and for his glory shall be duly rewarded. That's why he said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give unto every man according to as his works shall be. Hallelujah. On that day, Paul the Apostle will be on the queue, Peter will be on the queue, Andrew will be on the queue, maybe Thomas. I'm sure I'll be on the queue by the special grace of God. Pastor Adeboye will be there, Pastor Kumuyu will be there, Bishop Oedepo will be there. Billy Graham will be there, Pastor Charles will be there. <laughs> and I pray you will be there to face that judgment. It's not a negative judgment. It's a judgment to determine whether you deserve one star or two stars or three stars and the type of crown that your head deserves or maybe no crown. But David said, I don't even care to be a gatekeeper as long as it is in paradise than to be a king in hell. Glory be to God. I pray for you, you will make it. 
Nothing in this life will deprive you. That's the judgment seat of Christ. I'll still come back to that. That's the second time. The third judgment is called the great white throne judgment. Great white throne judgment. That one is the judgment of sinners. Those who reject Christ, who reject redemption, they will come by themselves to defend themselves, to answer by themselves. And guess what? Jesus will be the judge on the throne, and you and I will sit by his side to judge. Amen. Even fallen angels will appear before the great white throne judgment, and we shall judge angels. Aren't you honored? Aren't you privileged? I want it to be clear in your mind. These are the categories of judgment. It's not just one judgment. Okay? And anyone who refuses to repent now, who refuses to accept salvation through Christ, will stand before the great white throne judgment. And anybody who appears before the white, white throne judgment is not going to make heaven. You, there's nothing you can do that will, that will make you escape. It's hell, so say. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You will not be in front of that judgment. You will be on the bench to administer judgment in the name of Jesus. But let's leave the judgment of sin alone. That has already taken place. Let's forget about the great white throne judgment because I pray none of us will be there to be judged. But let's focus on the one that concerns us. The judgment seat of Christ. Where we shall appear, what shall be your story? What shall be your testimony? What shall be the account of your life? This life that God has blessed you with. This time that God has blessed you with. The talents that God has blessed you with. The giftings of God in your life. The grace of God in your life. The skills that you possess. The money in your bank account. The connections that you have. How did you deploy them over time before your life's end? All of that will matter at the judgment seat of Christ. Some people consume all of those things on me, I, and myself. The Paul says, those who have been redeemed, those that he died for, he said they should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. How I pray that God will give you a vision for your life that you will live for and be willing to die for. There are many people who simply sleep to wake up and wake up to sleep. They eat to walk and walk to eat. They go through cycles on end in the mundane and they never think ahead about the future. The future in this life as well as the future after this life. May your consciousness of what is ahead influence your decisions and choices today. May it influence your attitude and behavior today. May it influence your life today. The consciousness of what is coming tomorrow. May it be an influence on your decisions and on your choices. So that you will never come to that point in your life where you will say, had I known. You just missed a good point to say a good amen. <laughs> you will never get to that point where you will say had I known so let me quickly tie this up how do you receive a vision that will consume you for the rest of your life that will make you passionately dedicated to the cause of the kingdom 
committed to the work and the ministry of the kingdom of that which Christ has recruited, appointed, and anointed each and every one of us for. Because you are not just somebody occupying space. You are not just somebody occupying a chair or a seat. You are significant. You were brought into the kingdom as such a time as this because you have something to contribute. But until you see it, until you catch a vision of it, until something in your spirit is able to perceive and understand, you may remain laid back as many people are. The pew today is filled with many laid-back people. They just believe that church is let them say prayer and let me say amen. Like the Yorubas we say, it shall see church, and chamini. Huh? You just say the prayer, I will be here to say the amen. <laughs> and service is over. That is not what church is meant for. Church is supposed to recruit people in and groom them and appoint them and anoint them for an assignment for a task so that for the rest of your life you are on track doing the things that you were recruited for paul says that i may apprehend that for which i was apprehended you were saved for a purpose you were apprehended for a reason if you are tall there's a reason for that if you are short there's a reason for that if you're a man there is a reason for that if you're a woman there is a reason for that every experience you've had in life positive or negative is part of the curriculum to prepare you for your life's assignment but many are yet to see it and may god open your eyes and cause any scale that may remain therein to fall off hallelujah we see in the bible how many people caught fire how they received the driving force of their lives that which drove them until they went into their grave may you receive that which will be the driver of your life the vision that will drive you the passion that will consume you amen and amen the zeal of god has consumed me it burns in my soul a driving force that cannot be stopped a fire that cannot be quenched oh hallelujah 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 oh hallelujah hallelujah oh hallelujah hallelujah the zeal of God has consumed me. It burns in my soul. A driving force that cannot be stopped. A fire that cannot be quenched. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Amen. I'm talking too much, am I not? <laughs> Let's talk about how to catch your own personal vision that will consume you for the rest of your life and drive you like an intoxicated person that no matter what people say, no matter what people do to you, it doesn't move you one inch. 
I have seen people leave churches because they say, eh, I greeted him, he didn't answer me. There's no love in that church and they walk away. It's because they have nothing they are living for. They have nothing that is consuming them. They say there is no love in this church, therefore I'm going to leave. Why not you be the one that will start the love revolution? Oh, there's no prayer in this church. Why not be the prayer catalyst? Oh, they don't visit people in this church. May I ask you respectfully, how many people have you visited yourself? Glory be to God. When you have something driving you, all those little, little, petty, petty complaints, they don't matter anymore. Hallelujah. So in the Bible, we see several people who caught fire from different quarters. May you catch your own. Quickly, let me run through this as I round up. Number one, you can catch your fire from above. From where? From above. Somebody say above. Point your hand to above. Let me see. You can catch your fire from above. You saw Apostle Paul. He was going on the road to Damascus. And suddenly a blinding light came and blindfolded him. He fell from his high horse. And he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is a hard thing for you to kick against the bricks. And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. That you've been kicking against, that you've been persecuting. He said, well, I have an assignment for you, in case you don't know. From above, he heard a voice. And there are a few people who are privileged to have such encounters. Where they encounter the Holy Ghost, they encounter Jesus either physically or in some dramatic ways. Those are people who caught their own fire from where? From above. But then it's not everybody 100% that has the privilege of having such encounters. Are we therefore going to say that until you have such a Pauline encounter, you cannot be passionate for God? You cannot begin to live your life on fire for God? That's not what we are saying. There are other ways to catch fire if you don't have the experience that Paul had. So we see number two, some people caught their own fire from beneath. Where did they catch it from? Point to beneath, let me see. Beneath. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, what do we do? We persuade men. Knowing therefore what? The terror, the terror. See, we like to talk about the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. But the Bible talks about the goodness of God and the severity of God. There are two sides of the coin. There is the goodness of God, there is the severity of God. Here, the Apostle Paul is talking about the terror. God, respectfully spoken, is a terrorist. Now, don't crucify me. Anybody who unleashes terror is a terrorist. And the Bible says here, it talks about the terror, not of Satan, <laughs> but the terror who? Of the Lord. God has terror to unleash on those who reject Christ. So Paul says, each time I remember or I think of the terror of God waiting in the lake of fire for those who refuse to be born again, he said, I get out of my seat. I can't sit down anymore. I go out to persuade men. I catch my fire for personal evangelism and soul winning and missionary activities each time I think of the terror awaiting the sinner you see people walking on the street they don't know Christ are you aware that if they don't get born again they will end up in hell are you aware of that 
Have you thought about your dad? Have you thought about your mom? Your siblings? Your spouse? Your friend? Your children? Your colleague? Who don't know Jesus? That should they die in that condition? Or should the trumpet sound now? They will go into a lake that burns with fire and brimstone? Have you thought about that? That imagination alone is enough to drive you crazy. You say, I will awaken to evangelism. I will awaken to intercession. Paul said, when I think of the terror of the Lord, what do I do? I persuade men. I beg now. Give your life to Christ now. I beg now. Don't go to hell. I beg now. I persuade men. Some of us are weaklings in evangelism because we don't meditate on the terror of the Lord. If you know how, how terrible it is to fall into the hands of the living God, you know how terrible it will be for those who are not born again for eternity when they call for evangelism you'll be the first to show up call for miracle service the whole place will be charged jam packed deliverance everybody jam packed come and pray so that you have breakthrough everybody will jam packed let us come for evangelism or visitation i don't have time everybody is going their different direction it's because you have not thought about the terror of the Lord. You have not looked beneath to see hell because hell is described by down below where heaven is described by up above. So some people have caught their fire from above. Some have caught their own from beneath. May you find one source of fire. Amen. Number three, you can catch your fire from behind. From where? Talk to me, church. Or are you annoyed with me? From behind. What do I mean by that? Look at what the Apostle Paul said. I read that before. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. He said, And that he died for us, so that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 1 John 4, 19. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. When you look at the past, think about what Jesus has done for you. The only necessary question to ask is, what can I do for him in return? The man who did so much for me, what can I do for him in return? We love him because he first loved us. When you look back to Calvary, when you look at how he was whipped with 39 lashes, we are, we are, and by his stripes you are healed. When you think about how he bled, he died a painful and shameful death, not because he did any wrong, but because of your sin and my sin. Ah, the only thing that should elicit is gratitude. How do I pay him back? Even if I can't pay all, give me the grace to pay a little, to use the rest of my life to fulfill your purpose and your agenda. Hallelujah. Those who think about the past, who go back in retrospect to Calvary cannot but be grateful. Number four, some people receive their fire from around. From where? Talk to me from where? Around. Amen and amen. Acts of the Apostles 17, verses 15 and 17. 16 and 17. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, 
his spirit was stirred in him. Listen to this carefully. What made his spirit to be stirred? Now that's what I'm praying. That something will stir you out of your comfort zone. Something will stir you out of your lethargy. Something will stir you out of that laid back position so that the zeal of his house will consume you. He said, when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Now let me give you the background. He first of all went to Thessalonica, preached the gospel. They wanted to stone him. So the brethren smuggled him and took him to Berea. While he was in Berea, he began to teach them there the gospel. And then the Thessalonians heard that he was in Berea. And they came over to Berea to come and assassinate him. And then the brethren smuggled him out of Berea. And they took him to Athens. And they told him, Oga, this place where we bring you to, make open up, don't feel. Don't let anybody know that you are here. We want you to go under. Stay in hiding. Because they are gunning for your head. So he was in hiding when he was in Athens. That's the background. But then, because of the kind of person that Paul was, in the evening he would get out and take a stroll. He would wear a face cap and wear a t-shirt and wicked jeans so nobody would know that this is Apostle Paul. He would disguise. And then he would just be taking a stroll, just going about and trying to survey the city and look at what was going on. The Bible says, now you understand. Now let me read this again. Now while Paul waited at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. As he was going about, he saw people worshiping idols. Ah, these people don't know God. These people are not born again. These people don't know Christ. These people are living in idolatry. His stomach could not contain it anymore. Something began to churn. Something began to turn on his inside. Look at the next verse, verse 17. Therefore, disputed he, where? In the synagogue with the Jews, and where? And with the devout persons, and then in the market, daily with them that met with him. That's the way they can't hide. He didn't only go from house to house, he went to the synagogue, he went to the market. Why? Because something stirred him. See, I don't care if they kill me. I don't care if they assassinate me. I don't care if they arrest me. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Why? He saw what was going on around him and he couldn't stand it. The things you see around you in your city, do they move you? See Yahoo Yahoo boys all over the place? You see prostitution all over the place? Do they move you? to do something about it. You see poverty all over the place, people suffering all over the place. Do those things move you? Some people have developed a thick skin. Nothing moves them anymore. What happened around Paul was another motivating factor. The Yorubas have a proverb. Say person where they hide, you know they cough. Huh? Person where they hide, you know they do waiting. The moment you cough, you have exposed yourself, no be so. But Paul went out coughing. He went to the marketplace. <laughs> and everybody said, hey, this is the Paul we are looking for. This is the Paul. He said, I don't care. I must preach the gospel. May something stir you. May something awaken you to live the rest of your life in the preaching and proclamation of the gospel. Finally, some people catch their own fire from ahead. I've looked at five directions now. From above, from beneath, 
from behind, from around, and from ahead. Look at First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians rather, Second Corinthians chapter five, verses nine and ten. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, I told you three judgments. This is the one that you and I must all appear, believers in Christ. That everyone may do what? May receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. This life of yours, how did you live it for him? That day will be the day of answering that jam question. And each time I think of it, I imagine that Billy Graham is in front, T.L. Osborne follows, Kenneth Hagin follows, Papa Kumuyi follows, Papa Deboye, Papa Oyedepo, and I am next. By the time those people give account, what am I going to say? Ah, each time I think of that, I say, I must improve on my record. <laughs> I must improve on my record. I must do something more. Now, I'm not working to be saved. I'm already saved. Are you with me? But I am walking because a day is coming. I'm looking ahead to that day. I don't want to be put to shame on that day. The Bible says some people will be allowed to enter heaven though as passing through fire. Because all their works will be consumed by fire. Because their work was bad, their motive was bad. Their heart was bad. May God find you rewardable. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. I'll be somewhere working for my God. For my God. I'll be somewhere walking, I'll be somewhere praying, I'll be somewhere walking for my God. I'll be somewhere walking, I'll be somewhere laboring, I'll be somewhere walking for my God. When he calls, when he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. When he calls me, I will answer. I'll be somewhere walking for my God. For my God, I'll be somewhere walking, I'll be somewhere laboring, I'll be somewhere walking for my God. I'll be somewhere walking, I'll be somewhere walking, I'll be somewhere walking for my God when He calls. i